0: All right, welcome to LDS Down Under, everyone. Wow, Rodney, have you
1: lost how we say welcome? Like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's been a while. We we have visitors, so I was a bit like, uh, welcome to LDS Down Under. Down Under. (laughs) (laughs) So, with the. Yeah, with the. brothers and we feel welcome thanks boys that's good so yeah so we're joined here today with the two brothers um and we are here today to discuss the uh 60 minutes uh comedy special comedy special (laughs) about the mormon church um i've got it up on my screen here i'm looking at it it says uh Mormon Church accused of ripping off taxpayers by millions of dollars.
1: Okay, wait, 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 wait. Are we like going straight? Like this is deep, man. We just uh, okay,
2: okay. Yeah, <laughs> help! help i out of my did Warm the water before I jump in. I need an adult. I need an adult. There no, help. There was no warming
1: of any water. It's like straight away, boom. <laughs>
0: You you know Brian's one of those people that goes, oh yeah, no, I'll be baptized. And then he gets there and goes, hold on, has anyone checked the water temp?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But let's also mention the fact that we're not actually all together for the first time. We are all in our uh, homes. So we're trying something new. So hope it works out and hope we can hear us properly to everyone listening.
0: Yeah, we're recording this one on Zoom. We wanted to uh, spread our wings. And um, so we're recording this one on Zoom, which gives us a bit more flexibility. And um, this this sixty minutes things came up this week, and and I said to Brian, "That's it. Let's let's get at this because um, I just happened to be flicking channels. I think I was looking for the cricket or something, and uh, all of a sudden this came up, and I was like, huh? And I started watching, and I had a few laughs, and and then uh, yeah, it sort of kicked off from there. So um, I thought, yeah, let's let's discuss, shall we? Um, yeah, and so, yeah. also
1: sorry, sorry to be a pain, and also thank you to those who sent in the uh, topics for us to talk about, and mm-hmm. we will be talking about those too. So it's a good thing that you are listening to us, and on top of that, that you are asking us to speak of specific topics. So they'll be coming up soon. So um yeah, just look out for the next episodes coming. Uh, so now the water is warm, Rodney.
0: Ah, thank you, Brian. Well done. Well no, done. no problem. <laughs> it's you so know much me. cozier in here now no no being around <laughs> the bush let's just uh let's just get in there um yes all right so gentlemen we i asked the question before we jumped on and had all of us seen it which we have um i just re-watched haven't. it again you, brian you still haven't seen it no
2: He's doing oh a podcast <laughs> about it and he doesn't watch it. And you haven't seen, how have you not <laughs> no, watched it? No, I told it? you,
1: I'm going to ask all the questions here because I want to be like the person. But you haven't seen it. <laughs> but most people who haven't seen it are going to be like, they're going to be in the same position as I am. Like, what are you guys talking about? So I get to ask questions and find out and then I'll join the group and looking at it after
0: this. What's, what's your it's question going to be? What was the episode about? <laughs> Yeah, no, what, but what, are he, as, as, what are you talking about? What are you talking about?
1: As you talk about it, I'll be as confused as those who are listening in. We're all confused. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <now>, don't worry. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> so, man. well, I'll, I'll, can I say firstly? Okay. Uh, firstly, the fact that Rodney saw it live on TV is pretty wild. I haven't watched live TV for like 15 years, so that's amazing <laughs> yeah. that you even spotted it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know what? it's amazing because we might not even ever have talked about it if you didn't watch it on TV. Right. So it's pretty cool, I guess. Mm, um, mm. now I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Amon told me about it today. Uh, when I heard that, we, you know, what you wanted to do this podcast. So I watched it on the way home from work and yep. um, while driving, don't tell the police. And, um, <laughs> so my first impression, my first impression of it was, um, honestly, I found it hilarious. Um, it, it made me laugh all the way through. Not that it was meant to be funny, but my just the way they had done it, the people they've interviewed for it, and the opinions on it, I just honestly, it, it's it's like what's the word farcical? It's it's a it's it was hilarious. Um That was my first take on it. What did you guys think? Well, you what, it? it was why funny. Why don't
0: we why don't we go through like uh, maybe what's one or two things that you we should probably explain took what from it, it, it the is the most.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, let's
0: um, explain things. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll explain it. I'll explain it. Okay. So basically the title the title of the actual uh, main ad for the thing was Cooking the Book of Mormon. And mm. basically how they explained it at the start Delicious. is, you know, uh, everyone knows um, Mormons, they're the people that knock on your doors and, you know, bring enlightenment. But it turns out their enlightenment is how to defraud the Australian government. Um mm. And that all the money that we donate in tithing um, is going into a um, fraudulent charity that doesn't really exist. And that way we don't have to pay tax on it and we can defraud the government of, I think they're saying $400 million is what we've defrauded the government of. um, And they sort of explain how it works and and you get to hear from a few... um, very happy ex-members. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what the episode is about. So why don't why don't we talk about um, so like, Amon, You can go first if you like. What's the, one or two things that you took from it, and you know, and then we can go around and and sort of summarize a bit. And while we're doing this, Brian's going to be learning like everyone else um, <laughs> about what this was all about. Do you He's mind like, if I tiling? ask
1: questions? in between yeah. you guys talking about it
0: yeah of course so did you say what's <laughs> yeah, timing think that's a good idea <laughs> yeah
2: i'm just joking <laughs> like brian brian's first question what's timing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah bishop keeps uh, talking
0: about it what's a moment what's he going on about <laughs> <laughs> yeah me excuse,
1: excuse, I, I... I? <laughs> excuse me if i interrupt but i'll just be asking questions so that i understand a bit more and obviously those who are listening can understand a bit more too
2: yeah, no, no, we'll no Brian's that's questions really good, are, always, yeah. are always good, actually. They're always helpful yeah, to keep on. the conversation going. So it's not yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. All right, Amen. Take us away. Okay. People have been trying to attack our church since it began. Uh, that, that's obviously, there's no short um, list of, of truth behind that. As soon as it was restored, everyone's tried to attack it from every which way. And it's very, very easy to attack people and attack people's credibility. It's a little bit harder to attack an organization itself. What sort of things can you attack from an organization perspective? There's very few things you can really do. But one thing that they they go after is the doctrine, of course, which they've been doing. That doesn't really get them anywhere because our doctrine is of Christ. We teach about repentance and forgiveness and love and charity. It's... You know, they, they're so sort of run, run out of things to complain about on the doctrinal side of things. It's always the same old routine. But one of the most decisive topics has been and always will be money, greed, finance. It's, it's more divisive than race, it's more divisive than issues with gender. And we know how divisive race and gender can be. Greed tends to be the more accessible and the more commonly um, attacked finances and greed and money is the, the more common and easier attack than anything else combined, I, I think. So it made it, that, like, just like Chris was saying, as soon as you see that little episode, it just makes a true member of the church laugh because none of us are paying tithing without having a clear understanding of what tithing is and where it goes and what it does. So you can't help but giggle at it because they are obviously running out of ideas and ways to attack. And as I sat there and I listened through it, no no matter what what angle they came at and how they chose to attack the finances of the church, none of it made the church look bad at at all. I couldn't see anywhere where they actually made the church look bad. What they were saying was the church is accessing loopholes to have donations made to a charity rather than to a direct religion which means that people can claim tax benefits of that and they complained that they were petitioning the government to change this the rules and fix this loophole but their voices were going unheard well hang on a second who is the complaint to is the complaint to the church for the way that they're abiding by the the tax officer's legal system or are they upset because the legal system isn't changing to accommodate for their feelings on how the how the system works so it wasn't even directed at the church i mean they're not happy with the way the church does things well i'm sorry but if there are laws put in place and you can benefit from them financially a smart business a smart charity a smart organization or a smart individual is going to do so no one is in the business of paying more tax than they ought to pay no one is in the business of filling the the lining the, the pockets of the government when they don't need to. I don't know about you. Maybe you guys like to pay the government, but I tend to only pay them what I need to pay. So if there's any argument there whatsoever, it's simply between those people that are disgruntled with the law and the government themselves. The church is just doing what the church and everybody else does, which is minimize their tax. On top of that, we're talking about an organization that is, is out there for the benefit of others. So every Every dollar that's donated doesn't go to the pockets of a person. It goes to, and, and i made a little list here of all the things that I could just think of off the top of my head that it goes to. It goes to the chapels and their upkeep, building chapels. We have thousands of them in Australia and the Pacific. It goes to temples, which we have a dozen of in the Pacific. And they. the cost of those, people might not understand, but the cost of those are from you know, the low millions to possibly in the 10 to $20 million per building they are extremely expensive. And the upkeep on them is not cheap. It goes to the missionary program. when I served the mission in Hong Kong, um, I saved up my own money. You know, no one paid me to go and serve a mission. I saved up my own money to do it. And at the time the church required, I think it was about $10,000, $10,500 of your own input to go and serve a mission. And I, I know people would say, wow, I can't believe you would spend your own money to go and serve people. Well, guess what? The average cost to serve a full-time mission in Hong Kong at the time was about forty dollars or $50,000 per person. So even though I said that I paid my way, I actually only paid about a, a, a fifth of the cost it would be for me to actually be in Hong Kong for that full two-year term. And, and where does the money come from to do that? It comes from these tithes and offerings that are made to the church so if it wasn't for that we wouldn't even have the missionary program i wouldn't have been able to serve others and help others i would not have had that opportunity it comes from the church schooling systems educational systems budgets for the various groups within our church and in our wards and branches and camps conventions activities wednesday night youth activities all these things to build up the youth and build up the members of the church it just goes on and on and on. So, I mean, just to just a, a drop in the bucket, a few things that I was thinking of, the benefits of the church managing their money, managing that money and those finances well, only benefits the people who are in the church and those who are in and outside the church that they go and provide charitable services to. So there's there's no hoarding of money for any one individual every single one of those dollars goes out to bless the lives of somebody else. So, you know, congratulations. Another, here's another thing that I think People, I don't know if you guys ever noticed, but when they do economic reports, budgeting reports, that type of thing, and they talk about the strength of banks, uh, you know, Commonwealth bank made a killing this year. They're up, their profits yeah. are up 30%. Oh man, these, they're gouging us. These banks are absolutely gouging us. The rates are up. They're gouging us. Everyone's complaining. I might be the only person sitting there in my house thinking, good, strong banks equal a strong economy. Mm. You want strong banks. You don't want banks making bad financial decisions, lots of bad debt, not being able to um, pick up, pick up what they're owed and then failing and having to get bailed out by the government. And the government uses the money from who to bail them out? Taxpayers. So it's we a weird would thing. have to bail out the
0: yeah, yeah, it's a weird thing. We almost don't like businesses being too successful.
2: Exactly. Now, it's I'm strange. not saying that the church is anything like a bank, but what mm. I am saying is there's nothing wrong with good business sense. And mm-hmm. when a bank is strong, it's, it's the sign of a healthy economy. And when you've got a charitable organization that's strong, it's a sign that people are giving. It's a sign that people are serving. It's a sign that people are being served and having things given unto them. And all of these not-for-profits, they're, they're see-through operations. The whole reason they were having this 60 Minutes episode is because they looked at the books, that, which are open. Have a look at them. This is what we're doing. And then they tried to nitpick through it. And what they clearly didn't define is the fact that we have unpaid clergy. No single person is getting a, a dime of that money. It's going out to the people. It's going out yeah. to those people that are in the chapels that need lighting. It's going to those people that are getting baptized and need the water warmed up before they jump in the water, you know, running those temples so we can do the work for our families and get married in temples. It's it's all these wonderful, amazing things. Every time there's a disaster, they say that there's, they often say, joke around and say that there's two groups that rock up immediately. There's the Mormons and there's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> and they <laughs> and they they don't realise immediately that they're the, both one and the same.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, cool, awesome. All right, Tofa, what are your thoughts? Hold Sorry, Tofa. Does Brian have any questions?
1: Uh, go, Can Brian. I just say, uh, before, like we go on to for that was amazing I mean, like I had a question then you answered it then I had a question then you answered it then I was like okay I'll say nothing then um but that was honestly it's it's good to learn and it's good to be clear the fact that no one gets paid the tithing that we pay we know exactly where it goes to um it's not like they could have literally done a 60 minute show on other churches that people get paid and they're walking around with their BMWs and whatever, whatever, you know what I mean? And that would have been probably more entertaining for them. But for us, it just, obviously when you put Mormon and then you, you say whatever, like after the afterwards, straight away, you're like, Ooh, you know, there's something spicy going on here, but understanding that, you know, again, it's those last days, right? So they know something, you know, we know that something big is coming. So therefore, you know, they have to come and try bring us down in some way. And yeah, I, honestly, that was powerful. That was really, really powerful. Thanks, Amon. All right, Tafes. All
2: right. So yeah, that was a nice little rundown of it there, Armin. Um. Mm. So yeah, I got a, I got a bunch of stuff out of this so the first thing that came to mind when watching this was because they i think they used two different sets of couples um who were ex mormons uh i did air quotes there around mormons um and they love to call us mormons by the way mormon, mormon mormon mormons mormons like you know anyway um you can 60 minutes is the classic uh this is why it's funny as heck because it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, try tear tear everything down you know what i mean any opportunity to take a dig they take the dig but oh, yeah. they used uh two different couples um who were ex latter-day saints uh who clearly have some grievances um uh, for different reasons and we don't necessarily need to go into one of them but what but but into them but one of them was that he wanted his tithing back right so they had been members their whole lives or whatever and now they're not for whatever reason and you know, I paid so much tithing over my life, and and I want I want it back, right? Now, just that were the beneficiaries of that their whole lives. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah.
0: yeah
2: I think I think note, all of I'd them like...
0: wanted their money back in the end. I think all of them are, are part of the class action. And,
2: you know, yeah, there's a class action lawsuit. That's another good point, right? So there's a class mm. action lawsuit, and by the way, that's never going to happen. Uh, that'll never win. Um, it's a charitable donation. <laughs> you can't. You can. You're never getting that money back, but. Mm. Um, it's um such a bad idea to to demand money back from the lord though just just on on a, on a side note but oh, yeah. um yeah now um but this made me think of people i think it was elder maxwell that said this he said something to the effect of people leave the church but they can't leave the church alone right um and it's, how true is this right and that's mm. why um it's almost like um, it's almost like a feather in our cap, from my point of view, is that um, when people leave, when people leave the Catholic Church, if they leave it, they just stop going. If people leave any other organisation, very rarely do they look back and try and um, do anything to the organisation. You know what I mean? They just move on. But for some reason, it's like us and Scientology. <laughs> when people leave scientology they 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 have a lot to say and when people leave our church they have a lot to say but <laughs> you know what that says to me is that we're on the right track um and you know what the lord demands a lot and that's why mm. um when people have been sacrificing and living and 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 doing these things when they when they leave they they're always so angry about it um and there's a lot of reasons why anyway that's off topic but so the church has is it 100 million or 100 billion
0: Hundred billion, according it's to the uh, billion with a B. With a yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, good. So, um, so that's the that's the figure that they say. And the church is open about that, as mean said. The church has a hundred billion dollars sitting in 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 an account, which is you know come from tithing and um, whatever else. And it's like, what do you think about that? You know what I mean? Like they try and say this, like it's a it's a bad thing. Well, do you know what I think about it? I'm happy about that. That makes me so happy because you know what? That's the Lord's money. And that means the Lord can do whatever he needs to do with that money. As we draw closer to the second coming, what needs to happen? There needs to be more temples. Look at how many temples are getting built. As I said, they cost a lot of money. Um, The Lord can do anything with that money he needs to do. And possibly one day when the church has been sifted and things are getting crazy, that money may go to actually assisting the members who are left, who are trying their hardest and need help that money may go to help them. Who knows what it's for, but I'm happy. And I wish the church had more than a hundred billion dollars. Um And but it also, uh, so, sorry, in
1: conference in 2021, it came back that we uh, helped uh, other, like in like a uh, fast testimony, whatever we, we spent nine, 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 five million. I think it was um, in helping other, other people so like we spent all that money in helping other people like you know what i mean you i don't know how much other organizations are spending but that's a lot you know like so
2: it's a lot as as Ammon said we're the first ones to shop to every uh um natural disaster you know anytime there's an incident guess who rocks up and hands out everything but apparently that's not enough right um but look and I think I'm mean, going to mention this as well, but look at the other churches, look at the mega churches. You know, you got those mega pastors who take donations from everyone around the world and they fly around in their hundred million dollar jets. What's everyone saying about them? <laughs> Nothing. Um, and then they brought up the fact that the church has used that money and invested it, right? We've got investments. We invested in Google and this and such as, you know, whatever other technological bits and pieces in the stock market. And of course we did. Why would the church um, financial, Team not want to make more money from the money it has. It's it's obvious. Um, and Am- Ammon mentioned the tax, the tax bit, right? So they're angry that the church doesn't pay tax, um, and obviously it doesn't because it's a, a, a charity, uh, to a, um, a religion. Um, and obviously it wants to minimise tax because who doesn't want to minimise tax? And Kerry Packer, you may have seen it. It's a classic. He was getting grilled over how little tax he paid. I don't know if you know who Kerry Packer was. He's a very rich guy in Australia. Um, and his son owns the casino now. I think he probably owned the casino while he was alive. But um, he was getting grilled by the government about how little tax he paid. And he said, of course, I try to minimize how much tax I pay. If you don't minimize how much tax you pay to the government, you're an idiot, right? So why, of course, we want the church to not pay tax. That's 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 a good thing because that money, therefore, can go to helping people. It can go to building temples, churches, doing a whole bunch of awesome things. Um, but can I ask? Sorry, Tofa. On
1: on top of what you're saying, are we doing?
2: Are we doing anything illegal or wrong? No. Well, that's a good question, right? So they did, and here's actually what was kind of funny. So they had um they did a bit of technical jargon and they said that the church is trying to use some loopholes and some backdoor bits and pieces to like um, manage its money from Australia from America, which is illegal, apparently, right? And the church says no, we're not doing that. Um, but here's the thing 60 minutes says we've been investigating the church for six months and they still came out with barely anything. And they said that they have been talking to, um, government, uh, department and they interviewed the guy in the video. And, uh, they said, while he was working for some, like, it was like an auditing department or something for the government. Um, he was investigating the church apparently. Right. Then he went into politics and now they interviewed him and he said, like he basically couldn't, say he had anything against the church like in terms of he couldn't find anything wrong with what we were doing so what it was Um, so it was really funny
0: he he is the minister for charity charitable uh enterprise in australia when he was in the opposition he was very critical of the government about certain charities etc and now that he's in the government sixty minutes or like, well, here's here's the proof that you need, why aren't you going after them? And he just wouldn't even entertain it at all because he knew how mm-hmm. much their stuff was just rubbish. But that's basically yep. yeah what it ended up being.
1: Did they have yeah. anyone that was basically not going against the church, like not ex members and did they have a positive outlet too or was it just just negative? No, of course no, not. Was
0: just negative, yeah. And if it was, <laughs> then,
1: would you? if you were, if you were not a member, if you weren't as strong as you are, would you look at that and see a reasoning of like, would you see it as yes, they're doing something wrong? Or like, how would you perceive it if you weren't a member?
0: Can, can I answer That's that one? That's a good question. That's a really good
1: question.
0: Yeah. I'll answer that one. Okay. I'll go through one of my points because it sort of goes into that answer. Okay Sorry, so <clears throat> I um I obviously saw the episode on TV as it was mentioned and one of the first things I wanted to do which is very unlike me was to jump on social media on the 60 minutes page at the end of the episode it says if you have any comments so I jumped on and I started commenting and my phone lit up for about 4 days and it hasn't stopped all week and and I can tell you now throughout the week I sat back and I went okay this person's saying this, they're starting to get quite grumpy with me. Okay. I get it. And the more I sat back and thought about it and thought about it and was trying not to, you know, really get into a, a verbal bashing a social media bashing of with other people. And, and of course they try to get you, uh, you know, get you upset about it and laugh at your comment or something, you know, and you just sit back and go, okay, all right. I started to see the picture what they are trying to say. So, in their argument, and I and to be honest, I understand it. I get it. I get what they're saying. In their argument, tithing is not a charitable donation because tithing is taken by the church and then put into church funds. We have separate charitable stuff, which is fast offerings and those sort of things. And some of those tithing funds do go to charitable things within the church, etc. Um, but their argument is that that's not purely for charity. So really what their argument is, is that because all our funds are classed as a charity and a donation, when we claim our tax, we can put it um, as a uh, deduction from our total income, which reduces our tax. So that side of things, I started to understand what people were talking about and I get it. I get it. However, uh Ammon made a very good point before. This isn't illegal. And in the article, they say that all the other countries that the church is involved in, this is a standard practice. It was only Australia that tithing wasn't accepted as a charitable donation. So they put together an Australian charity thing which all the funds would then go into that, and it's managed by members who are non-paid, which also the episode struggled to comprehend that no one's getting paid for this. Um, And the money would go into there, which would then allow us to then deduct it from our income and pay less tax. That's what the episode really was. In the end, they made a little bit of it, but that's what it's really about. Mm. So I, I get that. I understand it. But it's not illegal. And what they were trying to push was the illegal part of it is that um, the charity that they set up is not run here in Australia. And it's illegal to have a charity that's not run here in Australia because they don't believe that our church has non-paid staff that look after finances here in Australia And one of them is this charity. They can't comprehend it because obviously all the rest of the charities have paid staff. So they believe it's fully run out of Salt Lake City. And the guys here are just patsies pretending that they actually have something to do with the money, but they really don't. And that's what they couldn't prove. They have no proof for that whatsoever. So they were just clutching at straws, really. Part of the problem is, you know,
2: part of the problem is that people are diving into directing their their hate and their anger and their concern for this issue at the church rather than at the the government that make the laws. Mm. So just like we've been saying, if they're not happy about the way that the donations are being made and how they're being utilized, no one sitting here and no one sitting in any church office anywhere has any responsibility for that whatsoever. Mm. And getting upset at a church for obeying the laws of the land is not going to change the laws of the land. If you want to change the laws of the land, you feel they're unfair, there are routes to go that way and petitioning against the church is not going to get you there. And here's the other thing that's really important to understand as well. And especially for those listening that might not understand this. If this was to change, the second that this changes, a law changes and donations can't be made the way that they're currently being made, no one in the church cares. We just go on. We just keep going. We still up. Pay we keep ten. making the same donations, yeah. yep. the donations keep getting used for the same thing. But you know what does change? The amount that the church has access to to bless the lives of others goes down. And if you feel, if you feel good about enforcing that, making the government enforce that against a charitable organization so that what they're going to be using to do good is now in the hands of the government who spends, I believe spends extremely recklessly. Then, then, then you will feel better about that. That's fantastic. I wouldn't feel better about that myself. Um, however, it's not the church's fault. So take your, take your uh, petitions and your activity and everything on that point to the right area, which is the government. And if it does change, just understand, nothing changes from a church perspective. None of us mind and none of us really care. And we just keep making donations. And we keep trying to do good. So nothing is going to slow the church's progress down whether it's, it's how we make donations or the amount that's coming in or anything like that. And I'm just so grateful to know that the stewards the Lord has put in place to manage the finances here have done They're such smart. a fantastic job that it's, mm. it's come to a point of contention, unfortunately, but they've done such a fantastic job with it. And with that, temples that cost between seven and $70 million a piece, our president of our church has just announced a hundred more of them in the past couple of years. That's just under a billion dollars worth of construction in temples alone, let alone state centers, church buildings, and other church-related facilities. So, just, okay, a, just a, a cool a cool billion in additional building in temples alone. Yeah. Okay. For those who are
1: not members, then, like, what is the reasoning of building temples? What is the reasoning of using that much money in order to build temples? What is it like? Why?
0: Um yep. yeah well yeah With that, that's a whole whole conversation about the temple stuff but roughly like why
1: do we spend that much I can I can saying... give you the I
0: can give you the um
2: the the 62nd example it. so in our in, we believe that we build temples today that are like unto the tabernacle that Moses Moses constructed in the wilderness which housed the throne of god and we believe that when we enter into the temple, we can. it is the house of God and we can administer in the ordinances and make covenants that connect us to God in a deep way that can be done nowhere else on the planet. And so it's extremely important to our members for things like marriage, which we believe that it, when conducted inside one of these temples can allow a family to live together forever it's a core doctrine that we believe in. So in order to give people the blessings of these holy houses, the church is on a mission to build as many as they can in as many places accessible to the members as they possibly can. But that doesn't answer your question, because the question is, why are they so expensive? And the reason is, since the beginning of time, when the Lord commands his people to build a house unto him, who is a perfect God of heaven and of earth, he expects us to do so with the um, the absolute best that we can offer unto him. You know, he, he created all for our benefit and he asks very little from us. But what we can do for him, if we're going to build a house for God, is we can do the very, very best building with the best building materials to make sure it is you know, strong and can be well-maintained. And so it's made from the finest granite and the finest materials that money can possibly buy that, that we can offer up. And in times of old where... Money was scarce, the members of this church would crush up their own china and paste that over the exteriors of temples just to give it a shine. Mm -hmm. So they would give up all the money they had, all the time they had. They'd risk their lives building these temples whilst robbers and and mobsters would come and try and kill them in the process. And they would even destroy their own utensils and cookware just to beautify the temples. So the temples are to be beautiful because they're the house of God and that makes them very expensive and they need to be accessible to the members so we can have the blessings from attending the temples. And that's why there needs to be so many of them.
1: So with all that, with the temple and it being um, needing to be fine, like the best kind of temple and whatnot. My understanding was money is not that important to the Lord. So I don't know what my question is, but my, in in a way I'm trying to look at it as like, he doesn't really care for money. He doesn't really care for, you know, all that because it's not going to matter in the last days. So
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. But you know what he cares about? You know what he does care about though? sacrifice that's exactly that's what i was, was about, about.
1: Hmm. well and yeah go for and, it and all that is no. sacrifice
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you mean, you, you, you you're enjoy? exactly right yeah the money the money doesn't mean anything to the lord it doesn't matter so this is why like we all pay the same like a rich guy actually his his tithe is going to be huge like the amount of money a rich guy pays right but it's the widow's might it was everything. The widow who paid her mite to to the Lord—that was everything. And so her sacrifice of her tiny little mite in the in the Bible. Hopefully, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it was all she had, and that meant way more than a rich guy giving a whole stack of money. So it's it's the sacrifice, as Ammon said, not the quantity yeah, and of money. I think and, also,
0: like it's not like <clears throat> it's not like people own the temple. You know, the temple is literally yeah. there for the Lord. It's not like. The, the temple in Perth belongs to Brian. Um, you know, um, literally it was built with tithing money, which is people's sacrifices, and it's there for the Lord. So when the Lord returns and people um, start to realize how important the temple is, those temples are there ready for people. Yeah. And
1: this Can is I not something that's new, right? This is something, like you said, I mean, was done back in the day, and it's mm. just something that we're carrying on as temple the
2: of Solomon. gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Let, me, let, me just, um, let me just use this as an, an analogy to, to help yourselves and, and also people listening understand the importance of sacrifice. Um, when I <laughs> Here's a good story for you. The first job I ever did, my mom was so sick of me sitting around the house after school finished that she put an ad in the paper that says, young 14-year-old, 16-year-old, whatever, will work, please give him a job right? She was so sick of having me around the house doing nothing. And somebody responded to the ad and said, yep, I've got a job for him. So I ended up working in a hardware store that only sold nuts and bolts. So it's this huge store and there was nothing in it, but nuts and bolts and all day, every day for six hours, eight hours, whatever it was, all I did was stock t- did stock takes on nuts and bolts and learned about nuts and bolts and moved nuts and bolts around. And it was the most mind-numbing, difficult, like I would have rather been doing hard labor with with a chain around my ankle and a pick on a rock. You know, like it was so mind-numbingly boring to me. When that's the day ended. That's why he's so I nutty just, today. That's why I'm still <laughs> so nutty. Anyway, I felt like at the end of the two weeks, I sat down with the, the owner and he goes, he goes look i don't i don't see your heart in the nut and bolt industry and i go yeah it's not there (laughs) it's not there man he goes all right i'm just going to give you your paycheck for your work and then you can you can finish up and i go yeah okay thank you so much i tell you what when that paycheck came through i treated it like it was manna from heaven i've never spent those few dollars more wisely and with more care and the dollars I earned doing what I thought was the most difficult thing that I've ever done. Here's my point. The early saints of our church built these temples with their blood, sweat, and tears and everything that they had. And when those temples were built, you better believe they were in them day and night. You better believe they were, they were banging down the doors of the leadership of the church, begging for them to stay open longer. And there's some amazing stories about the temple running 24 hours a day, non-stop every every day to try and get people the ordinances inside those temples that they were so desperately seeking, knowing the value of them because of what they had to put in to build them. So the point is this, in this day and age, all we have to do is we donate our tithing. The sacrifice is so small even compared to what people have done in former times that, that we tend to not even care as much as we should. If we had to do what they had to do, like Chris was saying, if we had to sacrifice all that we have, like the the widow with her might, I can guarantee you we'd be begging to have those temples open 24 hours a day. We'd be going to the temple constantly every spare moment that we had. Unfortunately, we don't do that. We don't treasure the temple as much as we ought to. But had we had the ability to sacrifice more for them, we would. So Mm. the small sacrifice that we make in money, which is truly nothing compared to what it ought to be, Unfortunately, it's almost like uh, it's almost like a stumbling block to us. The less we sacrifice for a blessing, the less we tend to appreciate said blessing.
0: It's like when you it's have power. money that you've saved up or you have a credit card. How much easier is it to spend the money on a credit card than money that you've actually saved?
1: Because
0: mm. money you saved. Mm. Like, you, you, th- <laughs> you had a few
1: things it you was saved, to save Tolfa. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, no, I mean uh, just back on my original rant, um, just to I guess finish up on that. Um, <clears throat> some of the uh, the other criticisms from those people that they were interviewing in the in the thing were that we're sitting on this pile of money, uh, which is supposed to be for charity, but if we were giving it to charity, we wouldn't have a hundred billion dollars right this is this is their argument and they're saying, Um, because they don't like to see us doing well. They don't like us to see us sitting on this pile of money, right? We're just greedy. We're all sitting in this pile of money. As Ammon said before, one of the first things is, who's getting this money, right? No one in the church is getting this money. It's not like there's a rich guy at the top, um, a Scrooge McDuck who's diving into a massive uh, pool of gold coins. Do you know what I mean? Um, Which I feel like that's what they imagine we're doing with this money, that somehow there's a big uh, playroom and we're all playing with the cash. Um, But so here's the thing, right? Now we know we've already covered that the church does. I mean, I, I can't say definitively, but it would have been handy to have looked this up. But I'd almost say the church does more charity than anyone else, right? Like the the amount of charitable work we do is it's the biggest charity in the world. There you go. So, um, and, and Brian gave the figure before of nine hundred ninety-five million dollars or whatever. I mean, just just those figures. I don't know, however, what term that is, but just those figures alone, we do a lot of charitable work. Um, and uh and again the people themselves doing legwork, the the actual man hours as well that's not even money that's something you can't buy because we don't get paid so there's the man hours from the members of the church and the money the church donates to 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 solve issues hunger you know world hunger um natural disasters all these other bits and pieces the the churches you know they're making schools in africa they're doing these things um and you know, the beauty of just a side note here, the beauty of our church um, in terms of a, being a charity, because no one gets paid, I know for a fact, because my wife worked for one of those charities that stop you on the street and get you to donate money to it. And um, if they could sign you up for a, a three-month donation package or whatever, the person, which was my wife when she worked for them, would get $100 instantly. And so... And I know how much they were signing up to give over three months or whatever it was. And so what I know is that when you donate to charities, barely any of that money goes to what you think you're donating to. And you know that charities all have CEOs who get paid bucket loads of money. So the beauty of the church is that the money actually goes to people who need it. That's actually a fact. It's a beautiful thing. Um, but here's, here's a principle that's um, something worth noting. If you, let's say... Let's say there's a homeless guy that lives on your street for some reason, right? This is a bad example, but let's say there's a homeless guy lives around the corner from you and every day you walk around the corner and you give him 20 bucks because you feel bad and you want him to have something, right? You know what? Every day he's going to be there and take the 20 bucks. He's going to be there wanting the 20 bucks. Um, He's not going to improve because he's getting free things. But you know what the church is all about? The church is about people growing, changing, improving, and progressing, and coming toward the Savior. We're not about just handing out... Self-reliance as well. Exactly. So we're not about just handing out freebies to people who will take, 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 and take. We actually are here to help anyone who is also a little willing to help themselves. Not that we won't help people in natural disasters who can't do anything. So what I'm trying to say is when you give and give and give and give, you will give till you have nothing. And you will get nothing back for it. Nothing. The person who you're giving to will not be helped because they will take it and they will, you know what I mean? But there is, um, the church gives where it should give. And that's why we are smart with our money. Um, it goes to the right causes, the right places. And they, um, just lastly, they also said, and I touched on it before. They said, um, they asked this guy and he's like a barrister. I can't remember his name. Some guy in the, in the thing. He's a barrister. And, um, he was a member and now he's not and whatever and uh they said what's the church expect to do with this hundred billion dollars and he goes oh, i think they think that um they're going to need it at the second coming something like this but he goes but when they get to the second coming what's the need of money right and you know what i don't know you might be right when the savior comes he certainly doesn't need cash right he can do whatever he wants um but the unfortunate truth of the matter is that up until that point, people only work for money. <laughs> so things we 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 need money to get people to do things. And, and that's, and that's, that's the truth of the matter. So again, the church having more money, it's more money to people who need it, who truly need it um, to fix things, to build things for the church, to improve. And all of these things are for us to come closer to God, to make covenants in the temples um, to, you know, to go to, to just church on Sundays, to, to take those ordinances that we, that we partake in, to repent, again, to, to come closer to Christ. It's all for good stuff. But people can't handle the, the big figure. But I tell you what, I wish it was bigger. And that's it. I've got a side comment on the $100 billion figure. Obviously, the church doesn't report $100, $100 billion on a yearly basis, because apparently that's the church's net worth, right? You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's not like a hundred billion dollars of tithing is donated a year.
0: Yeah, somebody's mm-hmm.
2: making the comment that the church must be worth a hundred billion dollars. Well, my question is, do people think that the church is sitting on 100, 100 billion well, dollars? <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't. Well, they probably don't. <laughs> don't. They probably own 300 temples, 5,000 chapels and the land, 4,000 stake centers you know what I'm saying? Multiple yeah. farms, multiple tracts of land, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So if you wanted to, if you want to talk about the church hoarding money, and then you mentioned the hundred billion dollar mark, just understand it's like any other organization. Mm. They don't carry very much cash. There's there's no need to carry much of your assets in cash. Most of it is in assets that you use for the business, or for an appreciable value. And everything that the church owns, pretty much. Is for the use and benefit of its people. So when you say the church has a hundred billion dollars, what you're saying is you're actually pointing to the thing, the building that I go to on Sunday to worship, and you're pointing to the the thousands of others that are in Australia, the Pacific, Brazil, America. So we, we've got to be. I think people listening need to understand when we say a hundred billion dollars, what we're talking about is a global church that own buildings. That we can actually go to and worship the savior in so it's not like they're sitting on money and they're diving it like you were saying before they're diving into it like scrooge mcduck it's literally like land holdings yeah it's a hundred billion so in assets yeah that's exactly right very little of that yeah. is going to be in cash it doesn't make any sense now question for all of you is this what if someone in a financial department of the church did actually do something underhanded with its finances. So what if they'd actually done that? These whistleblowers seem to be, seem to be alleging that that could be a thing. Mm -hmm. Either, either the church itself or people within the church are doing something potentially underhanded. Yep. And what if they were actually right about that? Let's just, let's just put, this out there for the moment. What if they actually someone inside the church, a person's actually made some horrible decisions and they have done something wrong? Because in this circumstance, in this episode, that barrister or or maybe it was the couple, was specifically saying that after they'd learned about the church's finances, they no longer believe in God. Yep, that's what they that's that was specifically what they said. they They learned this stuff, and now they no longer believe in God at all.
0: Yeah. So it was the barrister.
2: What what there was the barrister. So my question is, is a person justified in relinquishing their entire faith in a supreme creator because they find out that someone in a finance department has done something wrong?
0: No, nah, that now, just proves
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Before you answer the question, I want to give you one more example and you'll see how ridiculous this sounds, okay? Here's the example. We're talking about finance right now. Let's move to something a little bit more important. When Judas gave up Jesus Christ to be killed by the Romans and was effectively an accessory to murder of God, should Peter, James, and John have left the church? Interesting. The, the, is, the,
0: yeah. the, bar- the thing about the barrister just proves that he, w- he was already on his way out. Because obviously his testimony isn't yeah. isn't what it's meant to be. It's the same as when a bishop is called and people start to stop attending, you know. And you're like, "What's the bishop got yeah. to do with church and your relationship with Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father?" You know, um, it's the exact same yeah. thing. So you've Brian, already got issues there. So the barrister already had issues. The other family already had issues before any of this stuff's come along. So,
2: yeah, Brian Brian asked that question early on, and it was. What would someone's opinion be when they heard or watched this? Um, what do you call it? News piece five sixty yeah. sixty minutes. So, um, yeah. and again, and, and it's exactly what you're saying there. I think it depends on what type of you know what ground you're standing on when you're when you watch it. Is your is the ground you're standing on already shaky, or are yeah. you on a solid foundation? You know what I mean. Like it's gonna people will take whatever they can take as a, as an easy excuse to leave the church. Uh, if 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 that's where they're already kind of heading. You know what I mean, if you're on shaky ground, you'll take it as a, here's my way out. Right, you know, oh, look, there, it, you know. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. This. Where is Satan in this?
1: Where is he trying to ruin the gospel
0: here? No, it's he's just trying coming to up make with... it look
1: like money is...
0: He's just coming up with angles. Yeah, he's or... trying
1: to make it look like money the, yeah, like money is the important thing here, like and for the fact that they left the church because of that financial error, it's like again, like yeah. what we're already saying, where were you? You know what I mean? And obviously Satan
2: is like at the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: Satan's obviously like, Oof, okay, so that's all I needed to do then was to get you worried about money, you know? I, um He always has again, good timing with things. Carry that. Yeah, but let's say we let's say they do get their money back, they're still not gonna be happy though. They're still going to be yeah. upset. They're still going to be there's yeah. something else. I was listening to a talk where if if you have, it, it, like, the question is, is it okay to doubt? And it's like, no, it's not okay to doubt because he says in Doctrine and Covenants 636, doubt not, fear not, right? It's okay to ask questions, but not to doubt. But if, you let's say, you do doubt, which obviously this person was, then that doubt won't just be fixed by just like, okay, I, he, here's all your tithing back there's something else that's going to come and replace that then, you know? So it wasn't just that. And we all know it was, it, 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 obviously there's something they're upset with and it's not just the tithing. You give them back that money. I promise you they'll still, they'll use it all and they'll come back. And we also didn't like this. We also did. It's never going to end, you know? So if you do look for that bed, it doesn't, you know,
0: he's never going to be happy because he so doesn't have I... the spirit with him anymore. Yeah. Mm. So I, th- I think
2: to, um, the cap on all those responses which were really good i think for me it's there there should be this understanding that if you are truly converted to jesus christ there is no other man that can step between you and that relationship with jesus christ to diminish that relationship yeah there's there's no one and that doesn't they could there's no leader that can destroy that for you there's no other member that can destroy it for you Uh, There's no Judas that we will encounter in our lives as Peter, James, and Johns that could do something as drastic as trying to murder the very Savior that we we are trying to uphold that is going to destroy our relationship with him. If you allow yourself to do that, it simply means you were never converted to the gospel to which you proclaimed um, a belief in. And that's really sad. Yeah. It, it just means they never got they never got to the point of conversion
0: all right and
1: if you're if you're sitting on the,
0: yeah if you're sitting on go
1: uh saying if you if you're sitting on the fence you know um, someone said this to me once you're not going to get the full benefit of either side like if you're wanting to uh not be in the church you're not going to get the full benefit of proper going out crazy and doing whatever you need to do, going clubbing and all that, because a little bit of you is like, Oh, I shouldn't be doing it. And then if you're in the gospel, you're not going to get the full blessings there because you're thinking, Oh, I'm not fully going to go into this because you know, I don't really fully believe in it. Like it's like sitting on the fence. You just, you're not really pleasing yourself. It's choosing one and then going for it and then seeing what, what, what what that brings you. You know what I mean? And for them, they made that choice, right? They saw that. Okay. You know they found a reason and they made it and now they you can tell they're not happy with all this out, that's around them so they have to come back and you know buy it at the church because they're not happy you know
2: all right yeah the lord wants you hot like or it. cold he doesn't want lukewarm no are we finishing no no. Is that what no no no
0: we're ready for rodney's rant oh here we go it's it's rodney's turn okay oh. strap in let's do this <sighs> Wrap yourself down. Let's do this. Dropping the mic. Um, hey, Brian, just about that Satan thing, um, it made me think about one of the issues in the world today is finances and people are struggling with money and there's talks of um, uh, what's it called? Um, recessions coming and things like that. So Recession. Uh, Satan coming after money, of course, is just well-timed mm-hmm. and uh, he's very good at what he does. So, um. He's been doing it for a long time. So he, here's my rant about this this episode. So one, yes, went on social media, which as Brian knows, I don't normally do a lot of, but I did, yep, understand a little bit more of where people were coming from, get it, okay, understood. A lot of people kept going on about, oh, you only donated 1% of $100 billion. And I kept saying to them, yeah, we, we accumulated $100 billion over the last 200 years. And we donated one percent of that total wealth last year alone. So you can't use that number because you're just you're just misusing facts. You know, it's one percent of the total funds we have right now. Yes, but we actually don't. That took us two hundred years to save it, and our donations are increasing, increasing, increasing every single year. So um, I was like, you need to look into it a little bit more than just you know you've only donated one percent. And that comes back to the whole. People are expecting us to just go and give away the full $100 billion and be left with no money to support anything. So going into what we were talking about before, there's 31,000 chapels in the world. There are 265 active temples right now with 100 being built, which we know and we've already discussed the cost of those to be built. You've got the missionary funds. You've got the MTC schools. You've got the BYU schools. All those things are supported by the church through the tithing fund. If you grabbed $100 billion now and divided it by the 17 million members, which we currently have in the world, it equals out to be almost six grand per person. So if the world fell over and the church wanted to look after its members, even now, if we had $100 dollars, billion million, billion in cash, we could only give everyone six grand which, as we know, is not going to go very far either. But, of course, they don't talk about any of that sort of stuff. They just talk about what they know and what they looked into. One of my biggest issues with this entire episode is the main person on the episode, besides the interviewer, was another person from a news outlet. He was literally a reporter. There's one reporter talking to another reporter about the Mormon church, and they're just going back and forth. I found this. Oh, what did you find out? Oh, I found this. And I just looked up this and so on and so on. They didn't have anyone from the church or anyone that could back up any information. And then when you see the guy on the actual episode, he's just on Google. He's just Googling stuff about Mormons. And, and you're like, well, where did you get all this stuff from? Like, I just, I couldn't believe it when he was like, oh, I work for the Sydney Morning Herald. What the heck? So you got one reporter who literally, obviously, they put this together. Went to their, um, I don't know what you call them, the the boss, the manager of the department and went, oh, I want to do a story about Mormons. What have you got? Not much, you know? And he's like, well, you're going to have to come up with something. Oh, okay. We'll get a couple of ex-Mormons. So then they went and found some ex-Mormons who aren't happy with the church. You guys should get your tithing money back. That's a great idea. And then he's like, oh, I've spent hundreds of thousands and, you know, I should get it all back because it was a fraud, you know? And it's like, well, hold on. And then they show photos of them getting married at the temple and all those sort of things. So they, they cashed in, but now they want their money back, you know. So I, I just found all that stuff just to be ridiculous. And then I loved the part oh, where they interviewed the minister, for, the minister for donations or charities or whatever. And he was just not having a bar of anything they were saying um, because even he knew the writing on the wall that this was absolutely just a chase that they were trying to make something of because the article really isn't that great. Um, so let's really try hard to get something out of this guy. And he just gave him nothing. So in the end, I agree with Amon. it wasn't really that bad. You do have the people on social media going hard, but I think they're the same people that go hard on every single 60 minutes episode. doesn't matter what it's about. I, I don't think they are anyone that's like jumped on from the general public and gone. you know what, I'm going I'm I'm to jump on there and put a comment about this. You know, it's, it's just the regulars, like, you know, the, the ones that like just to piss people off and, you know, and, and upset people I think they're just on there going hard and there's Mormons on there trying to defend the church and they're just upsetting everyone um the regulars so um I think at I'm the, in touch at on the something. end of the day though Go, Brian
1: sorry I was saying at the end of the day the Lord would just turn around and be like forgive them for they not not they don't know what they're doing yeah you know, the the world yep. you know imagine imagine not having the gospel and you know i always think about it this way like not having the gospel and not having these teachings and being in the world it's hard to understand anything else it's hard to accept anything else so therefore they're gonna come with all that they have and try to come at the church you know and for us knowing what this is for you know and what we are doing here it's a sense of just forgiving them and just under helping them understand that it's okay you know we know you don't understand it but it's okay you can say whatever you want to say but it's part of you know in the last days their strongest will fall and so on and so on. you know so
0: yeah i think also like know. um mean amin used the word earlier which i had already written down as well which is greed And you can see Mm. a a big part of this episode was about greed. You had the barrister that wants all his money back. You had the family that wants all his money back. And because they couldn't really pin anything down on the church, doing anything really that wrong with the finances, they're like, let's get these people that feel like they've been cheated. And, you know, but really they're just, they're just being greedy and they just want more money Um, and they want money for nothing. So um, that's, that's just where they're at. Um, And the last thing I want to touch on is, uh, the the comic I brought up earlier about why ex Mormons go so hard is, is what I want to call it. Um, you know, and, and I've got a friend that uh, has left recently, and um, and it, it is a difficult one. And and I think probably uh, Mormons go when they leave the church, they sort of go hard more than other religions. It's because when you leave our church, because the church is a is a a, a good commitment, I think you sort of you do need to be sort of all in or all out sometimes with it. But I think with the other religions, you don't really need to be, you know, how many Catholics yeah. have you met that never attend church, but they're Catholic. Um, it doesn't really make a difference. Where in our church there. It is a big difference, um, a huge difference. So I think that's why yeah. members do go quite hard when they leave because they need to justify why they're leaving, why they're feeling this way. So they use anger to cover up the fact about how they're feeling, which is that emptiness that's coming. Um, And that's why you see so many of them eventually come back, um, you know, or, or for example, when times are tough, start having a religious conversation with you about it um, because it's always there in them. Um, It's just, they're going through whatever trial they're going through at the time. So they don't want to be a part of it. So they use anger and thing and, and misery on others to sort of justify it. And as you know, misery likes company. So generally when someone leaves, they like to take as many people as they can with them. You know, let's all go down together in the sinking ship, Um, which is always sad, you know. And then the person who took everyone comes back to church and the people who he took with him, they're all still (laughs) left out in the dust. So, you know, which is always sad as well. So, Um, but yeah, look, thanks everyone for coming on. Um, That was my rant. Um, found the episode hilarious, thought it was quite funny, um, really not backed up with really anything. So I think that's why 60 minutes only ran it for about 18 minutes. It was a very short little, um, episode and yeah, I don't think it's going to get much traction at all, to be honest, but it was, it was a good, (laughs) a good time. And, uh, so thank you all for coming on today. Thank you two brothers for joining us as always. And uh, we appreciate awesome your comments. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. And, uh, and Brian... can I just
1: just just to just to end it off there? Sorry, just a quick, um, just a brief one. If we can all share, what advice would you give to those who um, who are going to watch it, and also who have listened to this, and this is the first time they're hearing it? What would you say to those? Starting from friend and then we can go to Amon, if that's okay.
2: Yeah. So it's, as Rodney said before, it's a really timely, um, thing. Let's, let's assume that Satan is behind this, which obviously he is because he's behind everything negative, right? So it's a really timely, um, thing that 60 minutes did this about money because you know what the thing with money is right. They say it's, they they say it's the root of all evil, but it's not money being the root of all evil. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. And, um, what we know about money, that filthy lucre, is that it 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 uh it can destroy friends, and it can destroy families. It can destroy, um, f- like friends in business. Um, I got we've even got a personal example. Um, my mum lent my brother money, and that got it got bad for a little while there, and they were not uh on talking terms for years. Um, and and so if money, if we're not careful can destroy the best of friends and even family and so of course um like Ammon said right at the start what do you attack you attack the church about money and um and it makes sense but here's the thing so watch watch the documentary from my point of view it was it was just kind of comical um and as Rodney said they didn't have much to to stand on um but all we have to know is that the Lord requires sacrifice of us. In our case, it's 10% of our income. And as Amon said before, that's a small price to pay compared to pioneers and saints of the past. I'm I'm glad and I am grateful for the opportunity to pay 10% of my income for the wonderful benefits that it provides to the church and to the needy and to everything that that money goes to. So all all we need to understand is what's required of us by the Lord and you know what's great? We don't need to worry what the church does with the money because it's the Lord's money. It's the Lord's church, and so it's just about us sacrificing ourselves. And don't let don't let if 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 um, a silly person's opinion on something is is enough to sway you from believing in the church, then your testimony might not be where it needs to be, and it might need a bit of work <laughs> as yeah, well. we'll, but we'll that. Anyway, that's yeah. Okay, so firstly, I wasn't the brother that had that issue with my mum, so just as...
0: No, it was no. <laughs> You sure? You sure? So anyway,
2: <laughs> it wasn't me. Now, when I watched that, I watched that um, episode, I sort of just giggled at the end because I feel like the ending was, well, we've come to no conclusions here. Thanks for watching. You know, it, it, it really was, there really was nothing in it except for a couple of disgruntled um, ex-members of the church. And if, if anyone goes and interviews a, a disgruntled person, you're going to get a very one-sided view of why they're disgruntled, if you're never going to go to the other side and have an actual objective point of view. And we're living in the time of the fake news media. We're living in a time when um, media and corporations and governments and people in general are trying to portray very one-sided arguments to benefit themselves for whatever reason they so choose. And this episode was quite clearly a very one-sided view at a very menial point that had nothing to do with the church and everything to do with government standards for tax payment. And if anything needs to change, it had nothing to do with the church and it actually had nothing to do with disgruntled ex-members of the church either. So at the end of the episode, nothing actually happened. Nothing was gained. Uh, No one from the church was contacted and I guess we learned nothing. So thank you for watching. So it was, it was really an an attempt at a hit piece that went nowhere, meant nothing and did nothing. So hopefully everyone saw straight through that. But I do believe that to an extent, transparency is important to an extent. um, Actually in in every example, when somebody in the church does something that's incorrect, it, those things should be brought to light and they should be corrected I, I have no qualms about that whatsoever but we could at least ask the question of the church when allegations are made against them i believe and that's that's what i'll say
0: yeah um for myself at well, least I allow
2: just... the person the ability to defend yeah you know, if you go to a court you can't just have the witnesses berating somebody and then not give them the chance to supply a defense to their own case right it's It's uh, innocent until proven guilty. It's not just you're guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Well, thank you for watching, everyone. 60 minutes for you. That's 60 minutes. He's guilty.
0: Yeah, I think um, for myself, I would just, I'd be asking everyone just to look into it a little bit more. Um, You know, I I think it's a good little trick that we do now in the media where it's like, uh, like the Lord says, you'll know them by their Fruits. Fruits. You know, and 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 the savior goes, no, you'll know them by their fruit, and I only want you to look at this fruit, and this fruit is how we're defrauding the government. Don't worry about anything else; just look at this one, you know. Um, and it's like, well, hold on a second, like, come on now. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a silly little ploy. Um, and look, like I said, to a few people like if you want to know more, then look into it. Um, give me your address; I'll send the missionaries. I'm the ward mission leader; I can do that. Um <laughs> so uh, you know um, that's not a problem so yeah I'll just, I'll just let everyone feel what they feel if they, anyone wants you know to have a chat you know what else you could do Rodney hmm.
2: you could arrange some free reading materials courtesy of the tithes and offerings that we pay to be delivered to their home so they could learn more
0: that's it now we've got to wrap up because we're running out of time um, thanks everyone for coming on um, yeah really appreciated your time really enjoyed the chat and uh, yeah, thank you for joining us at LDS Down Under.
3: Thank you, Elder Hayde. We express gratitude uh, for you, for your life and what you represent to us and for your sweetheart Ruby. We express our gratitude to the Lord by paying our tithes. Tithing is a test of faith with eternal blessings. In the Old Testament, Abraham proved his faith by paying tithes to the great high priest Melchizedek. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, vowed to the Lord, Of all thou shalt give me, I will surely give you the tenth unto thee. Tithing has been established in these latter days as an essential law for members of the Lord's Restored Church. It is one of the basic ways we witness our faith in Him and our obedience to His laws and commandments. Tithing is one of the commandments that qualifies us by our faith to enter the temple, the house of the Lord. Just over three months after the martyrdom of the Prophet Joseph Smith, at the time of the Saints were building the Nauvoo Temple, Brigham Young wrote on behalf of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, Enter steadily and regularly unto a strict observance of the law of the tithing. Then come up to the house of the Lord, and be taught in His ways, and walk in His paths." The strict observance of the law of tithing not only qualifies us to receive the higher saving ordinances of the temple, it allows us to receive them on behalf of our ancestors. When asked whether members of the Church could be baptized for the dead if they had not paid their tithing, President John Taylor, then of the Quorum of the Twelve, answered, A man who has not paid his tithing is unfit to be baptized for the dead. If a man has not faith enough to attend to these little things, he has not faith enough to save himself and his friends. Tithing develops tests of our faith by sacrificing to the Lord what we may think we need or want for ourselves. We learn to rely on Him. Our faith in Him makes it possible to keep temple covenants and receive eternal temple blessings. Pioneer Sarah Rich, wife of Charles C. Rich, wrote in her journal after leaving Nauvoo, Many were the blessings we had received in the house of the Lord, which has caused joy and comfort in the midst of all of our sorrows and has enabled us to have faith in God knowing that He would guide us, sustain us, in our unknown journey that lay before us. Like the pioneers, the obedient payment of tithing fortifies our faith, and that faith sustains us through the trials and tribulations and sorrows in our life's journey. Tithing also teaches us to control our desires and passions for the things of this world payment of tithing encourages us to be honest in our dealings with our fellow men. We learn to trust that what we have been given through the blessings of the Lord and our own diligent efforts is sufficient for our needs. Tithing has special purpose as a preparatory law. Early in this dispensation, the Lord commanded certain members of the Church to live the higher law of consecration, a law received by covenant when this covenant was not kept, great tribulations came upon the Saints. The law of consecration was then withdrawn. In its place, the Lord revealed the law of tithing for the whole Church. And on July 8, 1838, He declared, And this shall be the beginning of the tithing of my people. Those who have thus been tithed shall pay one-tenth of all their interest annually. And this shall be a standing law unto them forever. The law of tithing prepares us to live the higher law of consecration, to dedicate and give all of our time, talents, and resources to the work of the Lord. Until the day when we are required to live this higher law, we are commanded to live the law of the tithe, which is to freely give one-tenth of our income annually. To those who faithfully and honestly live the law of the tithing, the Lord promises an abundance of blessings. Some of these blessings are temporal, just as tithes are temporal. But like the outward physical ordinances of baptism and the sacrament, the commandment to pay tithing requires temporal sacrifice, which ultimately yields great spiritual blessings. I know of a couple who lived thousands of miles from the nearest temple. Although they earned little, They faithfully paid their tithes and saved all that they could to journey to the house of the Lord. After a year, the husband's brother, not a member of the Church, unexpectedly came forward and offered them two airplane tickets. This temporal blessing made possible the spiritual blessings of their temple endowments and the sealing. An additional spiritual blessing came later as the brother, touched by the couple's humble faithfulness, joined the Church. The temporal and spiritual blessings of tithing are specifically tailored to us and our families according to the Lord's will, but to receive them we must obey the law upon which they are predicated. In the case of tithing, the Lord has said, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that they may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, for for I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings, that there shall be room enough to receive it." Would any of us intentionally reject an outpouring of the blessings from the Lord? Sadly, this is what we do when we fail to pay our tithing. We say no to the very blessings we are seeking and praying to receive. If you are one who has doubted the blessings of tithing, I encourage you to accept the Lord's invitation to prove Him now herewith. Pay your tithing. Unlock the windows of heaven. You will be abundantly blessed for your obedience and faithfulness to the Lord's laws and commandments. Be assured that those blessings are poured out equally upon rich and poor alike. As the hymn says, it is sacrifice that brings forth the blessings of heaven, not the sum of our contributions. Members who freely give a full tenth of their annual income receive all the promised blessings of tithing, rather the amount is a widow's mite or a king's ransom. Some years ago, I visited a meeting house from another denomination etched in the beautiful stained-glass windows, which had been brought from Europe, was the name of its donor. Carved in the majestic pulpit made from cedars of Lebanon were the initials of a wealthy benefactor. The most desirable pews were named after prominent families who had donated the most to the chapel building fund. By contrast, In The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, all who pay a full tithe are equally acknowledged and blessed by the Lord without special public honors or rewards. He is no respecter of persons. His law and revenue is truly an equitable one. Significant in our day is the way in which tithing is distributed. As we see examples of greed and avarice among some of the irresponsible corporate executives. We can be grateful that the Lord has provided a way for tithing to be administered under His direction. According to the revelation, bishops are ordained to keep the Lord's storehouse to receive the funds of the Church. Both bishops and clerks are expected to be full tithe payers who have learned to live prudently within their means. Within hours of receiving tithing funds from members of their wards and branches, these local leaders transmit the funds directly to the headquarters of the Church. Then, as revealed by the Lord, the use of tithing is determined by a council comprised of the First Presidency, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and the presiding bishopric. The Lord specifically states that the council's work be directed by mine own voice unto them." This Council is called the Council of the Disposition of Tithes. It is remarkable to witness the Council heed the Lord's voice. Each member is aware of and participates in all of the Council's decisions. No decision is made until the Council is unanimous. All tithing funds are spent for the purposes of the Church, including welfare, care for the poor or the needy, temples, buildings and upkeep of meeting houses, education, curriculum, in short, the work of the Lord. When a friend of George Albert Smith asked him what he thought of his friend's personal plan to take what would have been tithing and donate his tenth in charitable contributions of his own choice, President Smith's counsel was, I think you're a generous man with someone else's property. The Lord gives you everything you have, even the air you breathe. He has said you should take one-tenth of what comes to you and give it to the Church as directed by the Lord. You haven't done that. You have taken this money and given it away. End of quote. The tithing of the members of the Church belongs to the Lord. He decides, through a council of His servants, how it should be used. The Church members and others throughout the world, I bear my testimony of the Council of the Disposition of Tithes. I have sat on this Council for 17 years as presiding bishop of the Church and now as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Without exception, the tithing funds of this Church have been used for His purposes. The Lord desires that all His children have the blessings of tithing. Too often we as parents do not teach and encourage our children to live this law because their contribution only amounts to a few cents. But without a testimony of tithing, they are vulnerable. In their teenage years, they become attracted to clothes and entertainment and expensive possessions and risk losing the special protection that tithing provides. As the years go on, is it possible that a man could be ordained an elder, serve a mission, and effectively teach a law to others that he has not lived himself? When he returns home from his mission and faces the pressures of schooling and starting a family and a career, will the law of tithing become easier to live? I don't think so. Likewise, will a young woman be worthy to serve the Lord and make celestial marriage governance without having gained a testimony of tithing for herself? Will she be prepared to teach her children a law she has not learned by her own experience? Oh, what faithfulness is required of fathers and mothers who would unitedly call down the protective blessings of tithing upon their family and the blessings that are rightfully theirs. Said President Lorenzo Snow, teach the children to pay tithing so that it may be perpetually observed. If we observe this law, no matter what our enemies may do, the Lord will preserve us. In a few weeks, each of us will have the sacred opportunity to sit once again with our bishop and settle our tithing with the Lord. Your bishop will be gentle and kind He will understand the challenges you face. If you cannot pay back what you missed paying in the past, go forward. Begin today. Share with your bishop your commitment to pay a full tithe. And in the future, work out a plan to return to the temple as soon as possible. As soon as you have demonstrated your faith in paying tithing over a period of time and kept the other necessary commandments, you will be able to enjoy the eternal blessings of the temple. I plead with you, do not let this opportunity pass by. Do not procrastinate. Fathers and mothers, as you prepare for tithing settlement, I encourage you to gather your little ones around you. Help them count their pennies. Help your young men and your young women consult their records and take inventory of their annual increase. What a marvelous opportunity this is to plant the seed of faith in the hearts of your children. You will start them on a path that leads to the temple. The generations of your ancestors before you and the posterity after you will rise up and call you blessed. And you will have prepared your children to perform saving ordinances on their behalf. It is no coincidence, my brothers and sisters, that under the direction of God's living prophet on earth today, President Gordon B. Hinckley, temples are spreading over the earth, keeping the commandments, which includes paying our tithing, will qualify us to enter those temples and be sealed to our families and receive eternal blessings. I plead that we will not procrastinate, that we will heed our Lord's commandment to live the law of the tithe. I know of two missionaries who visited a very poor family The family's home was made of press board and sticks with a dirt floor, no electricity or beds. Each evening, the father, a farm laborer, spent his entire day's wages on groceries for dinner. Departing from their humble home, the senior companion thought to himself, the law of tithing will surely be a stumbling block to this family. Perhaps we shouldn't bring it up for a while. Maybe not at all. A few moments later, the junior companion, who had grown up in similar circumstances in his country, voiced his own thoughts aloud, and he said to his companion, I know the principle of tithing isn't taught for four more discussions, but can we please teach it the next time we visit? They need to know about tithing now because they need the help and the blessings of the Lord." so much. This missionary understood there is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of the world upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessings from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. The Lord wants to bless this family and anxiously awaits their obedience so He can. My beloved brothers and sisters, the eternal blessings of tithing are real. I have experienced them in my life and in the life of my family. The test of our faith is whether we will live the law of tithing by our obedience and sacrifice. For in the words of the Prophet Joseph Smith, a religion does not require that does not require the sacrifice of all things never has power sufficient to produce the faith necessary unto life and salvation. I testify that the Lord Jesus Christ sacrificed His life to bring this salvation to each of us. As His special witness, I testify that He lives, and on His behalf I express gratitude to you, the children, the widows, the youth, the families, the faithful. For your sacred ties, these deeds shall thy memorial be, fear not, thou didst them unto me. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, amen.